with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good afternoon, morning, whatever it is. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, right here on Tojanet. Parex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone, Van Helsink, and with me, the blonde bombshell herself, and Kerrigan. Hey, what's up? How are you? Oh, all right. Had a surgical procedure today, so I'm a little on the druggy oh, side. that's not good. Oh, sure, it's fine. Oh, good. There is- Everything's fine. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah, everything's okay. really did they, good. Did they put the brain back in your head okay? Brain? I had one. <laughs> now you do. Uh, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I guess I kind of screwed up today. Uh, I had uh, two guests lined up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's all uh, right. Janny understands. Yeah. You're lucky. <laughs> well, she was psychic, so she knew it was unintentional. But anyway. that's right, that's right, because she's a nice person uh-huh, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she she will be again up at uh, Spirit Quest this October as well. So excellent, uh, excellent. Yeah. So her and Kelly Spangler and Andrew will be there, and uh, D'Agostino and yourself will make an appearance. Myself. Yep. Steve mm-hmm. Parsons from the UK, Cal Cooper from the UK. I believe Jane Darty's coming. I just got to double check. Jason Robitaille, one of the largest collections of Ouija boards, will be on display. And, oh, those are awesome! Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, well, they're gonna. We're gonna display them this time with uh, information and everything on them. So it's gonna be kind of cool. And then we're gonna do a uh, Ouija board session as well. But anyways, we have a guest on the line, and, and judging by the chat room, I mean the uh, stack. It looks like he's been here for a while, so let me introduce to you one half of the Johnson brothers. Can I say that? Are the Johnson brothers even speaking? I don't even know. Anyways, <laughs> Carl, how are you? Hi, good to talk to you. A surgical good. procedure today, huh? What yeah, they do to you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you all better. You recuperated, guys. Huh? They, gave, they gave me drugs, and I feel fine now. Oh, oh, you're ready for this show. It'll be a long, mellow show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, no. Ron Mellow? No, no way. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kyle. Yes, my brother Keith and I indeed are speaking. We get along quite well. That's great. You know, I don't think I've ever spoken to your brother Keith. Oh. I'm, I'm almost positive. Yeah, and we've never had Keith in the show, right? I could, uh, uh, I can do a Keith. Uh, impression, if that would help. <laughs> well, that you know, would. I, I, we should have worked this out before you called, because I could have. Uh, I could have said, "And we have Keith Johnson." Yes, hello. It's it's uh, it's very good to uh, be on your show, Ronald. Yes, yes. Well, yes. Uh, did you want to talk about the uh, the Conjuring movie with uh, with the case we were involved in? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh yes. So, All right. Uh, 
Very good. I don't like his, I don't like his impression of me because he's he said this is Carl's whispering. <laughs> uh, I think I, I think I'm more spot on than he is. Oh, yeah. these, these drugs are really good. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> Apparently, they're getting better by the minute. Lee. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, it's your show. You you guys fire away. No, right? you were doing awesome. You really were, uh, Kyle, right? Or was that Keith? I forget. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, really... yeah, Keith, Keith Johnson. Yes. <laughs> Greetings. Well, you know, I'll introduce you to my lovely wife, Sandra. Sandra, you know, no, that's that's my brother's impression. I don't have a wife. Oh, just, okay. Just Carl Solo here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we go. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, Kyle's, uh, I, I, Kyle's, oh, God. And Davey here, will you? <laughs> Davey. Ron's just babbling. Ron's just babbling. But, Carl, uh, first, can you, could you very kindly give us your website for all our listeners? They can check out what's going on in your world. world. Okay. It is, and it's uh, being redone as we speak, but, so there'll be more graphics and more uh, articles and evidence up there. Mm-hmm. It's modest compared to what it will be by week's end. Ooh. Um, it is. I'll say the name of our team and then give you the website handle. It is Beyond the Veil Paranormal Research, and to access that is www.beyondtheveil.com. Veil is V E I L. All right. Thank you very much. Now people can. Yes, even our even our founder Dina Palazzini is often asking me, "How do you spell veil? Is it B I or V E B E I?" It's a tricky one. <laughs> awesome. We will get that posted right up for you. Thank you. It's not you beyond the it's not beyond did it used to be beyond the veil paranormal or it's just now it's just beyond the veil. Oh no, we we contracted to beyond the veil, but no, it officially it still is beyond the veil paranormal research. It's very easy to leave off the research part too, but beyond okay. the veil paranormal research. Okay. But okay. the website again is www.beyondtheveil.com paranormal.com. Oh, okay. That's the piece I was missing. It wasn't popping up for me. Okay. All right. There we go. <laughs> Actually, at one, t- at one time, my old partner, uh, Maureen Wood, who is is my new partner, uh, she actually had a site called Beyond the Veil as well. And I always gave a crap over it because if you look at it real close, it looks like Beyond Evil or something like yeah. that. It kind of does. Beyond, we go beyond. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a quick cursory glance will look like that. Yes. Okay. So, so Carl, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a new Ouija board out there. Have you seen it? I heard you saying something about Ouija board. No, is it by Parker Brothers? Is it still oh, a Parker Brothers? Long gone. It's Hasbro. Yeah, that's now. right. They're, they're, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a brand new. You're living issue. in the past, young man. You're living in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, I, rem- I remember back in the 1970s when our Ouija board—I <laughs> did have a Ouija board when it mm-hmm. said uh, Parker Brothers mystifying or- oracle. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't know where that is anymore. But no, no what's this? Shame. I'm, I'm curious. What is this new Ouija board? I'll have to look it up. I actually have a picture of it on my website. I got, I got the brand new one myself, and we're going to take it for a spin at my paranormal study group this month. So, uh, <laughs> but it's really it's kind of a sexy little board. I like it. <laughs> it's sexy, uh, charming, it, huh? It, wow, it, it sexy it Ouija, Ouija board. Is it still uh, rectangular and? All yeah, yeah, but the, the planchette, the planchette uh, has a. Uh, Violet light on it, and, and it and it's pressure sensitive, so that when you put your fingers on it, it goes on mysteriously. And 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks really cool. I'm, I'm dying to try it. Really, it should be fun, fun, fun. Oh, it's but so much anyway. easier to see in the dark now, right? Well, we had the glow in the dark ones, which were, you know, really kind of cool. But <laughs> this is one step beyond because you can see the letters clearer because it has the little light on it. But awesome. Anyway, so now that I brought up all this Ouija board crap, I, I, well, what's your, what's your your uh, thoughts on this, Carl? Myself, I'm not very intimidated by Ouija boards. Um, conversely, I don't recommend their use haphazardly because they have led to problems, especially if somebody is particularly sensitive or receptive or even suggestive. They can bring in things you weren't counting on, and mm-hmm. some persons will use these, and they'll feel spooked by it, and just by suggestion, they'll start having problems. So hmm. it's a uh, double indemnity there. But uh, myself, they just don't bother me because they're a tool uh, mm-hmm. for divination and spirit communication. They're actually advertised as a parlor game. Mm-hmm. Now, I've known people, like my mother, for instance, she and her stepmother used to play on the Ouija board on Friday nights, and really? they, just, they never had any bad problem with it. It's just a kind of a spooky little parlor game. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. Other people will have problems. Like, you know, the true story behind The Exorcist in the 1940s, you know, mm-hmm. it seemed to commence with a young boy using a Ouija board. With, her, yeah. with his aunt, I believe, right? It wasn't his yes. aunt. His aunt yep. started him, you know, was uh, talking with the Ouija board. And my brother could give you dates and times. He has that encyclopedic memory. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> no, it was a boy of uh, 11 years old at the time. He was playing yep. with the Ouija board and uh, with his aunt. And, uh, again, it was a parlor game, but he started using it on his own. And, you know, something came into his bedroom and it was bothering him, uh, this figure. And then it, it took off from there. And uh, of course, the you know the the book by William Peter Blatty is based on that real case. I mean, he mm-hmm. uses actual incidents that were recorded in that exorcism and that you know session mm-hmm. case. Uh, so officially, I can't say I recommend them. I just personally, they don't seem to bother me. I don't bother them. Actually, uh, Ouija boards don't tend to work when I'm in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can oh, really no. This started about I don't know, but. Uh, I think that about 17 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. for some reason, they just stopped working for me, and they don't work. Uh, last time I tried one, which I was experimenting just to see if it would work, uh, it moved very slowly for me and then stopped, like a car running out of gas. And when I walk into a room, typically they will not move. The planchette will not move when there are players at the board, uh, and they mm-hmm. might not even know I came in the room. So there's got to be something to it. Well, wow. you, you think this has something to do with your... your uh... A uh, demonology thing? Um, I suppose it's crossed my mind that it may, but uh, not all Ouija board communication uh, brings in demonic presences. No, I know that. But, and of course know. it has the potential to, yeah. but it might be. You know, maybe I have a certain aura that I project and uh, repel spirit communication in that and, You know, maybe you, scare, maybe you scare the crap out of him. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to, like to think I have that kind of intimidation factor where I can, you know, something about me glows and stops spirit communication. But uh, <laughs> uh, but that seems confined to Ouija boards. It's just uh, something about me. I really don't I, mean, I can only speculate. I mean, w- when you guys were on the uh, the Ghost Hunters way, 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 way back, and, and but besides, I enjoyed you guys on there, by the way. Um, you. But, you know, you were at that time, you were the demonologist. That's what, what you did. Oh, yes. Uh, that's how they, they highlighted you. Yes, I still am a demonologist, you know, 
kidding aside. We can't put kidding aside for too long, but uh, right. yeah, no, I still uh, am a practicing demonologist, and I'm consulted as such. Um, my brother and I actually became demonologists, although we didn't call it that at the time, with our first intervention in a residential case, and that happened to be the Perrins in Harrisville, which was later made into a much later, 40 years later, was made into a movie called The Conjuring. Aha! We were involved in that case. We were the first investigators on the scene. We were members of a group based at Rhode Island College at the time called Pyro, Parapsychology Investigation and Research Organization. Oh, my God. Wow. Those acronyms kill me. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah, we went out to the house with a team of six. Now, it was July. Well, I'm dating myself. Somebody has to. It was July... <laughs> 1973, and we were having a meeting at Rhode Island College. We'd been to some sites, you know, exterior sites. And, um, we wanted our group to be known so that we could possibly intervene and study somebody's house if they had a haunting in their house. So my brother raised his hand, and uh, my brother Keith, and suggested that we place an ad in some local periodicals, which he did. He, composed, he already had it written, and he submitted that to a local paper. Uh, three weeks later, we had uh, a response from Carolyn Perrin in Harrisville, Rhode Island. She mm -hmm. told us of some of the activities she had going uh, in her house. And uh, there was a time I was on the phone with Carolyn Perrin uh, several times a day. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, so then that early August, we, um, we went to investigate the Perrin's house, and we were there several times, became very friendly, established a good rapport with the... Uh, the parents and their children. There were, you know, four adolescent girls and uh, the parents, you know, Roger and Carolyn Perrin. And while we were there, some freaky things were happening. I mean, we did hear bangings on the walls, heard furniture moving. Uh, I saw a black form. Well, I don't even want to call it a form. Black smoky issuance came down the hallway upstairs when I went up to the where the girls' bedrooms were just to look around. And it was afternoon, and I. Uh, my first thought was, there's a fire in the house. I don't smell smoke, but there's a fire. But then this thing just wow. came up to me and then dissipated off, and it was gone. And uh, we decided... So it came that close? Yeah. It, oh, it, it, I think it made contact with me. All I felt was kind of a tingling mm -hmm. sensation, but it didn't feel like an assault. It's just that I saw this strange black mass coming down the hallway, rolling down as smoke would have issued, but it wasn't smoke. It was suddenly gone. Wow. Uh, so after, you know ascertaining that it was a genuine haunting, we contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren and brought them to the house. And uh, um, the Warrens assured us that we would be working together as a team, but that didn't last too long. They told the parents, we found out, you know, a couple of weeks later, they informed the parents they could do no good for their situation unless they were the exclusive investigators. Oh, on give the me a oh, break. Oh, my God. Well, wow. no, no disrespect to Ed and Lorraine Warren, but I think even then they were movie-minded because we, they, we were told we, since we brought them in that we were going to be working together. Mm -hmm. But they felt we were an inexperienced team and they were the big guns. But you have to start someplace just as exactly. they Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right, right, right. That was how my brother and I started getting involved in residence cases. And uh, eventually the term demonologist was applied to us. And I thought, that sounds good. Why not? I guess it's right. descriptive. Yep. <laughs> so I can I can honestly say without a hint of hubris that if my brother sitting in Roberts Hall in uh, in Rhode Island College, if, if he hadn't raised his hand and showed that ad he'd written, 
mm-hmm. the movie The Conjuring would not have been made because it just led to a series of events that right. ultimately resulted in the Warrens, us calling the Warrens in, mm-hmm. and then performing the investigation. And I saw that movie The Conjuring uh, about two and a half weeks ago now, and actually three weeks ago tomorrow night. I first saw that. I was kind of reluctant to see it. I said, oh, well, you know, it's inaccurate. In play. But I was brought with my brother and uh, team after we did his uh, television show. He has a cable access show called yeah. Ghosts or Near. And oh. uh, I was interviewed with it because, of course, I was part of the original investigation team. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing that movie, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's scary. The script is well done. You know, of course, there are some, you know, they take some liberties with the actual facts, but it's you know, going to be a Hollywood production. Exactly. It's going to happen. Some things are condensed. But I actually felt nostalgic watching that movie. Some of those scenes, I remember working with Ed and Lorraine Warren and lecturing with them, which I did mm-hmm. sometimes. And the portrayal of Lorraine Warren is so spot on. The actress dresses like Lorraine, speaks like Lorraine, has her mannerisms. And looking at uh, the scene where... Ed Warren interviews Roger and Carol and Perrin in their kitchen. I said, that looks like the Perrin's kitchens. And the bedroom, the bedrooms look like the girls' bedrooms. And it was just taking me back. It's been four decades now, but I think this is, and I have some good memories of that time. Even though it was a, a horrific and trying case, it was right. still establishing a nice rapport with the family. When, and working with Ed and Lorraine for a time was a, it was just a good memory to have. Oh, that's cool. I think uh, Lorraine was a consultant on that that sh- that movie, I believe. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I thought I heard something like that. Yes, Lorraine was consulted uh, for that movie. In fact, Lorraine was a big proponent for the movie being made, as she was their technical consultant. And Lorraine actually has a cameo role in the in the movie, if you uh-huh. have to look for it. Would she play Lorraine's mother? <laughs> no, it'd be apt casting, wouldn't it? No, she portrays somebody seated. It's it's a lecture that Ed and Lorraine Warren are giving at a college, at a Connecticut college, and they uh, they show it. Well, they show the audience, and in the and Carolyn Perrin is seated in the audience. That's how it's depicted. How she met the Warrens. The facts were a little different, but they sh- Lorraine is one of the audience members seated in there, and you have to be uh. quick to catch her there. <laughs> I, th- I thought I thought that was a good touch, <laughs> and I'll tell you, watching when they depict Ed and Lorraine lecturing at that college, it's going back in time. I said that is how Le- Ed and Lorraine spoke. That's the presentation they gave all those years ago, and it was fun. Just they were such an engaging couple, and their lectures were so informative and exciting. <laughs> now I could. You know, of course, there. Were, you know, I could spend a half an hour talking about the inaccuracies, but it's just, just an <laughs> it was. But there was well, some. There were some things that were so real and so spot on and so accurate, and some scenes, and it mm-hmm. was, they caught the flavor of the time. Uh, one movie critic, I read a review. She, uh, she, you know, praised the film, but said they'd spent too much, you know, attention to trying to recreate the '70s styles. You know, there was overdone these colorful 1970s attire. And I'm thinking, no, that's, I was there. That's how we dressed back then. <laughs> oh, some God. of those shirts I had and some of those tight-fitting pants with stripes, yeah, that's that's how we dressed. That was, I used, that was also accurate. I, I think I'm have, probably the only one that has not seen this movie yet. Um, I haven't seen well, it. I won't give anything away then. I'll try not to. You know, My daughter I, Martin was scared to death. Oh, who, who was? The My daughter. My daughter. My daughter was scared to death. Yeah. Uh, it is a 
Yeah, of course it's a scary film. It's supposed to be, but it's effectively scary. They they pay attention to character development. That way, you kind of feel for the people who, and you if you feel for a character, you identify with that character right. in such a movie. And yeah, so you, they they do develop the characters and uh, depict them very much as they were. And uh, so you're you're living that with them, the experiences. I will say they don't exaggerate the uh, phenomena in the house. Mm. So, you know. mm-hmm. so it, w- it was a pretty haunted house. Uh, very much so. We knew, when we pulled up to that driveway, of course, we were somewhat apprehensive and or anticipating because we'd heard what Carolyn had told us. But this is where I first uh, realized I have kind of a spider sense for demonic presence. And there was that yeah. there. <laughs> I believe there was, because when we pulled up to their driveway of the farmhouse, I, said, I feel it. I mean, I, you know, we're a little, little apprehensive because we know something could happen, but it's like, there's something else. I really feel like I'm being watched. It's uh-huh. almost almost echoing in my ears, like, don't come in, don't come here. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, when, when certainly that was uh, borne out that there was activity there, and our senses were justified. My brother said he felt the same, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a, an enthralling case, and started us on the road to uh, intervening in, in houses that have hauntings, trying to ascertain the, the cause, the source. And there were plenty of sources for this haunting. Wow. Yeah. So when you work with your brother, Carl, I mean, you're, you're twins, right? Yes, identical twins. Identical still twins. Still mistaken for each other. <laughs> <laughs> but when you work with them, is there... Did you develop like a, almost a uh, sense to each other uh, as far as paranormal activity, where where you know you both could hone in on certain areas, or you knew that one was witnessing something, or, or was there just nothing at all? Oh no, we had established that unspoken communication at times, and I think this is the, that case forty years ago is when we first realized we had that because after I saw that black form our formless mass coming down the hallway at me. I didn't even, I, I was startled, but I didn't have a chance to be scared because mm-hmm. it happened so quickly. It was uh, maybe three seconds. Mm-hmm. I came down, and my brother right away knew that something had happened. He did kind of a double take when he saw me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like my face was white or anything. I just, uh, he knew I'd been through something. And mm-hmm. we would tend to look up at each other at significant moments when, you know, something right. was starting to happen. We'd We'd end up in the same room together. We'd like look at each other and you know, kind of communicating with each other. Like if I thought we should go into the basement, I didn't want to announce that. I just kind of, you know, because the other investigators were there and the, most of them were hesitant to go into the basement. Actually, <laughs> as I recall, I believe it was just Keith and I that went down to the basement. <laughs> and if you, when you see the movie, you'll understand why. But okay. we, uh, yeah, it's a recommendation for that scene. Uh, <laughs> Keith and I kind of looked at each other, and then a minute later, we were at the top of the basement stairs, and I think we just communicated that, and it's something we've done many times since. Uh, we were members, Keith and I were members of TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, for eight years, and yeah, I our show Ghost Hunters, the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. We've both done various television appearances. I, he's been on Parent, two episodes of Paranormal State. Yeah. I participated in five episodes of The Haunted on Animal Planet Channel, and you know, I'd like the chance to do some television work with Keith again. But uh, I don't think we have since, uh, except for his you know local show. I don't think we've done that since uh, the Ghost Hunters days. So I mean, you you guys each have your own kind of like little paranormal groups, but you, you 
don't do work it. together, though. We have. We don't have much opportunity to. Uh, scheduling is always a conflict, it seems, but I would like an opportunity to work with his group again. Oh, now, cool. as I mentioned, my team is Beyond the Veil Paranormal Research. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith's group is Near New England Anomalies Research. Ah. I, actually, I actually devised the name for their team because I was a member of his team, but uh, we weren't always able to get together for investigations, and my approach tends to be a little different, or at least in you know my theorizing and speculations do. Um, well, how is they, it different? They, well, Keith and his wife take a, his wife Sandra take a more fundamental approach. Uh, Keith is a religious demonologist. I'm more of a speculative demonologist, you know. Although I do incorporate um, and uh, sometimes religious provocation, uh, and we both do. Uh, I tend to take a little more grounded. That doesn't necessarily mean better or more effective. I take a more grounded approach in that I try to look at the psychological aspect more. And my brother does not ignore that. You know, my brother doesn't assume it's always a demonic influence that, uh, or a spiritual influence. And the and interview process is affected first at the beginning of the case. And um, so that's a, that's a prime difference with us. Um, but uh, as I said, I will employ religious provocation, as will he. Now, when I refer to provocation, I'm not saying we insult a a spirit and you know, come on, take me on. You know, I don't, I don't agree. I've seen that enough times. And investigators that are newer in the field, they will sometimes take that approach because they've seen it on television. I know that's the bad influence of television. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm not criticizing, but I will. Uh, well, I guess I am criticizing. Yeah, well, I mean, it, must, I mean, it, it must be okay. They saw it on TV. That must yeah, be so that's, do it. Uh, those are the experts. So that's how it's done. That's right. And, I'll, I'll just do an impression, you know, of what I've seen on television. You know, come on, take me on. What do you think? I'm here. Yeah. But then, well, yeah. it makes good TV, I guess. Thank Very you. good. Oh, yeah, but uh, in my experience, it's uh, it doesn't bully a, a, an entity to manifesting because if it's a if it's a demonic entity, it's going to be clever enough to just retreat and not you know bothered and even as it's good to stay on friendly terms even with a human generated spirit because if you're insulting well, we actually got to take a break here uh, i totally missed that that cue i'm sorry no, no, no. i'll hang on yep yeah. <laughs> you're listening to ghost chronicles next generation with ian and ron our special guest kyle johnson we'll be right back after the following message right here on tojanet pararex ghost channel and beyond we'll be right back Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place. 
an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our very special guest tonight, Carl Johnson. Hello. There you go. <laughs> Good evening to you for those who came in late. <laughs> so so we were talking about the Ouija board earlier, right? And we were saying it was a game. So the oh. new the new sexy Ouija board. Okay. <laughs> That's what I have yet to see, but I'd like to see what it okay. looks like. Okay. Vital light it has and all that. It's it's cool. We'll we'll get to that when I actually try it. But the box uh, in the inside, when you open up, they have the flat board. You take that out, and underneath it, it has a uh, black cutout, and it says, "What cigarettes will you unlock?" But then, listen to this. This but has then. never been. To, they ne- This is they've never done before. It says, "Never use the Ouija board if you think it's just a game. Never use the Ouija board alone." Never use the Ouija board in a cemetery. Never <laughs> leave the planchette on the Ouija board when you are not using it. And never forget to say goodbye to the spirits. My so goodness. that is all new, and I think that's a, a different approach for uh, Hasbro on that. Yes, huh. that makes it all the more intriguing because, yeah. Yeah, I knew uh, Hasbro had taken over. It still is called Ouija Board, and under Parker Brothers, it was that right. Ouija Board, the mystifying oracle. Um, but that makes it all the more intriguing. I mean, that makes people want to, ooh, it's got warnings on it. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people like to walk the edge when it's something potentially hazardous. Or, right. Yes, I, uh, I, actually ha- I actually have, I actually have a... Uh, um, Bobby Ouija board, which is, of course, I think <laughs> comes with a carrying case and, and a lot of nice questions that you can ask, ask the spirits when you make contact with them. That is so scary, a Barbie Ouija board. Oh, my God. I love my Bobby Ouija board. <laughs> comes with a nice carrying case. Yeah, Put it all over your shoulder. It's pink. Oh, it's boy. Follow-up to, the follow-up to that could be possessed Barbie. <laughs> well, I know. Heads, wait a minute, the head spins around? around anyway. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, how many <laughs> of my sister's Barbie dolls did I decapitate? Uh, that's <laughs> funny. The head swivels, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I'd like to see this new Ouija board. Again, I don't officially recommend uses, using Ouija boards, but not everybody has a problem with it, to be frank. Um, a friend and associate of mine, Bob Delage, she's. Uh, He's a prison guard by day or sometimes by night in Central Falls, Rhode Island. But he has a team, and uh, they will communicate through spirits through a Ouija board, with, with spirits through the use of a Ouija board. He claims he hasn't had a problem with it, but, of course, it's not for everyone. If somebody is suggestive and sensitive and receptive, they better know their stuff and stay grounded if they're going to use a Ouija board. I agree 100% <laughs> with that. But, you know, the, the interesting thing about it is, a lot, you know, the Ouija board gets the rap, but there are so many other things that we do that uh, basically say, oh, you can't use the Ouija board because you don't know who you're going to call in. And, and you people are, like, doing EVPs and using hack shacks and, and the obelisk, and they're doing the same thing, only they're not using a board. They're using some type of electronic device. Right. Well, on, for instance, on the show Paranormal State, in which I participated once and Keith did twice, mm-hmm. um, a paranormal investigator who's worth his salt will always, he or she, will always advise against not performing a seance because then you're opening yourself up. Really? To what it, but 
what I used to see on the show Paranormal State, that was, you know, based on a team out of uh, Penn State University, they would go into these houses ostensibly to help someone, you know, resolve their paranormal problem. And they're sitting around, the investigative team are sitting around in a darkened room with candles burning. And mm-hmm. uh, they are uh, speaking into, you know, digital audio recorders and asking the spirit to communicate or give us a sign somehow. That looks pretty much like a seance to me, just not called such. Right. The classic I mean, what, seance, of course, you know, what, the 19th and early 20th century seance is when uh, the participants sit around in a table and they join hands or touch, you know, their little fingers to their thumbs and mm-hmm. create a circle and then ask for a sign of the spirit's presence and a communication. So, so what's the bad rep on the the the, uh, the seance? I mean, when you go all the way back to the 1930s with, you know, the probably one of the greatest ghost hunters around, Harry Price, they, he used seances in his in his uh, investigations. I mean, what is different than a seance than than an EVP asking the spirit to right. think, or just sitting there? With, and, and say, can you move something or whatever? It's who's doing it and how it's approached. And people okay. have to make a predetermination that they're not going to be taken over, they're not going to surrender their minds or their bodies to the spirit. That would be a good thing. They get. And then they, you know, if it's going to be too much, they will leave. You know, uh, they'll excuse themselves and they'll, you know, say a prayer or whatever they use to invoke protection, and they'll leave the circle if it's getting too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but some, many people who are interested in spirit communication are also very suggestive persons. And uh, if they think they're going to have a problem, chances are they will. If not that night, then, as you know, in retrospect, they might right. realize they should not have approached it because it just activity follows them home. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I see these in television shows. It's pretty close to a seance. It's always, it seems the investigative teams are like, don't do this at home. We are going to do it. Don't you <laughs> We're do professionals, it. right? Yeah. <laughs> professionals. I don't advise anybody to do this, you know, but they're, you know, and that's... Oh. that's but we need ratings, so we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah ratings, because if, if they're just like, we're going to be very cautious and we're not going to provoke or anything, then nobody's going to watch it. You know, usually. Something has to happen eventually. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Having having been on, you know, featured in paranormal reality shows at times, I'm, I'm, not, I'm somewhat of a critic of them because although I don't say everything that's represented on television is uh, contrived, not, not everything, a lot of it, not everything, but... Uh, we have to keep in mind that what the viewer is seeing is something the cameraman and the editor decide the viewer is going to see. Correct. It's marketed as a package. These are franchises, and uh, they they have to be entertaining. Nobody, you know, network is not going to invest in something that's not uh, amusing or uh, drawing to viewers. But you're seeing a little rectangle. I mean, a relatively small portion of the room. You're seeing what this cameraman selects you to see, and paranormal activity is easier to stage than stage magic. You know, you don't need, <laughs> you don't need curtains. You don't need a darkened room. All you need is somebody with a night vision camera and a uh, camera going to where you're supposed to look. So <laughs> you have to approach it objectively. If you keep an open mind, then you can, yes, you can enjoy them, but uh, you can't assume it's all genuine all the time because That's it's right. a big business now. It has Absolutely. been over the last so, Carl, I mean, you, sure. you've done a lot of investigations. I mean, what one stands out in your mind as probably, you know, the toughest one for you, I guess, would say? Let me let me do it that way, the most difficult one to investigate. I would say that's the uh, the one that comes to mind immediately is a 
a situation in Providence, Rhode Island, in the uh, early 1980s. I, I believe it was um, no, it was 1980 into 1981, and that was a case that took place in the uh, west end of Providence. And uh, even in those days, I had a reputation as somebody who would go into a, a site with paranormal activity, and I would stand my ground, um, perhaps with a little more bravura than was merited at the time, but. Uh, you know, I, what I learned as I went along, took some chances that I probably would not now. Depends on the situation. But this case in the West End of Providence, it was a Hispanic American family. And uh, this boy, he was 14 years old at the time. And uh, I guess we'll call him Lucas because that was his name, Lucas. <laughs> okay. So why, not, why not say it? I don't think he's going to object. I just That don't, works. <laughs> they don't get his last name. I don't know where he is now. But uh, this boy had, the story was that he had walked through a cemetery not far from his house and found a woman's glove there. Out of curiosity, the boy picked up the glove and brought it home with him. Then the problem started. The glove utterly disappeared because he was told that uh, by his aunt that he should bring that back to the cemetery and leave it. Because, you know, uh, they were Dominican Republic and uh, Puerto Rican descent. Uh And although he was born in... uh, in Rhode Island, and uh, his aunt, versed in those ways, said, no, that's, you're, you're inviting a spirit if you don't put that back, because you don't know where it came from. It seemed harmless enough, but he was going to bring it back. The glove disappeared, and that's around the time he started to have problems. I was asked, I, kn- I knew these people, uh, the family, and uh, known as a, as a paranormal investigator with some experience. So I was invited to uh, stay overnight at the house to observe, and um, I did so. I even drove down that street, uh, rode down that street a couple of weeks ago. I said, oh, this is memories. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. I was, I was on the uh, the sofa in the parlor, and I was just, just drifting off when I heard this blood-curdling scream. I mean, this was, it was more like a shriek than a mm-hmm. scream. And uh, I heard thumping, banging. So I started up, flipped on the parlor light on the overhead light, and I, the banging was coming from the boy's bedroom. I was just about to approach. I said, I don't want to go there, but I've got to see what's happening. And um, I froze there because the boy's bedroom door flung open. And there was nobody okay. on the other Nobody was on the other side. Uh, I mean, nobody to open the door. And this boy's body came spiraling out of the bedroom. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was spinning. It was spinning. It was the... The most unnatural thing you can imagine. It just, yeah. it nothing, not even accelerated muscle motor performance could explain what I was seeing. He was spinning, and you could hear his body going along the floor and the carpet, and he was banging into the walls, screaming with terror all the time. My God! And then he was thrown up onto the couch where I had been, onto the sofa, and he started jumping up and down and waving his hands in this awful, uh, just awful laugh came out of his mouth, and his eyes were wild. So I tried to restrain him, you know, I mean, I said, I don't know if I even should try to do this, but somebody has to take charge here. Right. So, and I was my normal 200 pounds at the time and in pretty good shape, mm-hmm. years old, and I, um, I tried to hold him down, and this boy threw my arms back like I was a rag doll. You know, oh, my God. Great, great mind. And um, let's see. So... Uh, uh, after a few minutes, he came to his senses, and he was uh, 
you know, this was no performance on his part. You know, this was not acting. He couldn't have moved like he was anyway, being thrown around that room. And wow. he started to cry, and you know, for his uncle, and uh, he was sh- shivering. I mean, this was real to him, mm-hmm. and something was inside that boy to make him react like this. So, uh, an expulsion, which is uh, kind of a an informal exorcism, mm-hmm. was arranged. And I was to participate, and they had some. They had clergy there. Not uh, he was a priest, but uh, did not read the uh, Ritualis Romanum. Uh, this was, uh, but there were Catholics. So he did a blessing. Yeah, a blessing was arranged, and you know, it was a Catholic service, and uh, several people that were going to assist. Actually, I think it was about eight people in the room, and. Uh, I was in the center. We were seated in a, a semicircle, and they had set up something of an altar. These are people of a spiritual culture, and they believe in invasive spirits and that these spirits can be driven out, expelled. So because I was assisting, I was there, and uh, we're seated in a semicircle around this altar, and the boy was seated there. He you know, was smiling, but he was nervous. And, all right, when this started, and this was about a, about a week after that first incident that I witnessed, um, when it started, something indescribable changed in that room. The air got thick, and I, I just don't have words for how it changed, but you, everybody could see we were looking at each other. Then the floorboards rumbled as if it was an earth tremor. My but God. A, or like maybe a, a big truck going by, but it was nothing like that. The floorboards shook. You could hear it and feel it. Then it became very silent. And my chair, with me seated, seated in it, moved all the way back across the room towards the back wall. I was sitting in this chair, <laughs> and just just my chair, only me, mm-hmm. pushed wow. back against the wall. And then this boy fell to the floor and went into his gyrations. And uh, that was a, quite an ordeal that lasted for the next almost two hours. And he was calmed. And this expulsion actually seemed successful. He was better. At, he had one more instance after that. It was uh, about a month later. He uh, was in the car with his parents, and they drove by our church, and he started to scream. But <laughs> after that, apparently, no more instances, you know. I mean, these things aren't taken care of right away. It's not all that, you know, tied up and dramatic. Mm-hmm. Although it was a pretty dramatic night. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. And Sounds you pretty my, dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Talk to my brother. He'll corroborate all that we saw because my brother was there, too. He wasn't there for when I stayed overnight for the original intervention, but the uh, the expulsion, he was there. And he read prayers and read Bible passages. Um, mm-hmm. My brother remembers that uh, Lucas, young Lucas, took a, they had a, a bowl of holy water, and uh, as I approached him, he came up and doused me with that, threw that on me. Oh! Yeah, and uh, at one point I did feel this invasive uh, emotion that was not of my own origin. I just felt... Very angry and very tense and wild. I mean, you know, and this um, um, incredible tension came upon me. If I had given into it, I probably would have run around and uh, assaulted someone. But on rush of tension, I said, you know, this is. But my the objective part of my mind was still functioning. Mm -hmm. So I just concentrated on my own sense of self. I said, no, this is not going to get to me. And I felt it come out of the back of my head. It was physical, a sensation, oh. palpable. And it felt like a vacuum in the back of my head. And it 
I can only assume it went into a, a girl who was in the next room, a young woman, because she started to pull her hair and she fell to the floor right at that instant as soon as it left me. So okay. something was up. It, some of it you can explain away by the psychological factors. Some of it you just could not. Right. And, uh, well, the boy was very shaken and his clothes were somewhat torn. And he was, But he came to him and said he was very weakened and shaken after this. But it, it actually did seem to succeed. And some some dealings with like blessings or seances. I mean, excuse me, seances, exorcisms. Uh, it takes several times to you know get rid of the spirit. Is that correct? It can. Yes, it's not always done in one session. In fact, right. it rarely is. Uh, often it can take as long a time to rid the person of this influence as it took for the person to acquire the influence. You know, okay, that makes it takes sense. months, it can take years, but you do make a concentrated effort, those who are intervening. Um, but it will take uh, usually a few sessions to to drive this invading entity out. And I'm always mindful of the psychological factor, that if the person is convinced they can be helped, they will be helped. Mm-hmm. If they think it's going to maintain its hold, it probably will. And that's why the exorcism is valuable not only as a as a service and invoking a higher power, but as a psychodrama. Both factors, I think, are essential. The person has to be convinced they can be helped. And the invading entity has to be convinced it can be driven out. <laughs> and if right. it's demonic, there's a certain point in the expulsion or the exorcism where you command the spirit to give a sign of its presence and then to give a sign of its departure. And oh. that's that's often that's a very tense point in these services and these procedures because then you know something could happen and I've seen things happen. I've seen a a picture. Well, in the the Lucas case, when it was told to leave and you know give us a sign of your departure, a picture in the room in, inverted itself, turned upside down. Oh hmm. well. no! It didn't fall off and land. It, it turned around. It inverted itself. Boop, right. Flipped. Right. Flipped over. Like, yeah, that's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to be standing next to it. Uh, well, it happens. And I, even then, I was thinking, someday I'm going to be talking about this and writing about this. <laughs> right. right now, I just want it to be over. Right. But, I mean, to, it's kind of unusual to think that, um, you know, a spirit or, or an entity that doesn't want to leave would give you, would, would acquiesce and give you a sign. Not choice, but to acquiesce at that point, because the whole—if you know—this is assumed to be not an entity you can reason with, but some force that you have to command and drive uh-huh. it out. You can't destroy exactly. it and make it relinquish its hold right. and leave and go on somewhere else. I don't know where. Carl, you, you're not going to believe this, but we're just about out of time with you. Wow, man. this has gone by fast. I know. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to call oh. me again and have me back on soon. That's uh, an exciting I story. I mean, you, you, did, you, you know, it was really interesting, and, and my drugs are wearing off, so I'm feeling much better. That's going to bring it to a close, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, despite the fact that we've been, you know, had a good time and also been discussing some uh, heavy uh, subject material, it's a, I really enjoyed this. It's gone by so quickly. Oh, yeah, you know, we know. want to thank you so much. Uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, once again, give out your website. Okay, it is www.beyondtheveil.com. And oh, sorry, I left out a word. I left out paranormal. Right. Oh, <laughs> that's correct myself. www. 
beyondtheveilparanormal.com. There you go. And the name of our team, founded by Dina Palazzini, Mm -hmm. is Beyond the Veil Paranormal Research. And actually, we're going to have Dina on sometime. We'll talk about I would Bigfoot recommend her, yes. Right. Yeah, Dean, Bigfoot's an interesting subject as well. So right. i got to say goodbye to you because we got to take care of some business, and I want to thank okay, you then. so much. <laughs> My have pleasure. A good, have a good night. You too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank good you, night, Kyle. Thank you both. Good night now. That was wow. fun. That was exciting. Anyways, I've got a big announcement to make, but we're going to do that right after this this episode of Cemetery Trippin' by Ann Kerrigan. Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I feature a different cemetery in each episode. If you'd like to see my cemetery photography, please visit my Cemetery Tripping page on Facebook. Today we will actually visit two cemeteries, which seem to mesh into one. The newer cemetery is Lakeview Cemetery, and the older cemetery is Oak Grove Cemetery, both located in Enfield, New Hampshire. They meet somewhere in the middle, near a beautiful old wrought iron fountain. Since I am based in Massachusetts, for me to visit a cemetery in another state generally means that I am either camping, on vacation, or on an investigation. In this case, I was on an investigation with New England Ghost Project and Ron Van Helsing Kolick. We were at the Great View Roller Rink to look into the haunting of this local entertainment spot, and Lakeview Cemetery is located directly behind the rink. How could I resist? Accompanying me on this cemetery tripping were my friends Leslie Marden and Karen Rock, both of whom are psychic mediums. As we walked towards the cemetery, Leslie told me that she had a vision of an unusual stone, one that she felt didn't belong there. She described it as having a large hole in the middle, and something that we would recognize as soon as we saw it. As we ducked under the fence to enter Lakeview Cemetery, we began to look around for Leslie's stone. One of the things that I did notice immediately was a fantastic and beautiful view, even on a misty evening, of the lakeshore. It was literally like a picture postcard. Enfield was populated by the Shakers, who settled here in 1782 and ran mills here until approximately 1915, when their ranks thinned and the last of them left to go to Canterbury, New Hampshire, to join another Shaker family. Most of the stones in Lakeview were from the 20th century and newer, and fairly unremarkable, although we did see some interesting laser carvings. Wild turkeys scattered as we approached the older Oak Grove Cemetery. I wish that the intricate wrought iron fountain was working as we passed it, and could only imagine it in its heyday. Oak Grove dates from approximately 1850 and has some nice carvings of the day, such as hands pointing towards heaven, anchors, flowers, and a few flags. There is also a wonderful crypt with lovely bronze doors set into the side of the hill. It began to rain harder, and we turned to go back towards the rink. As we approached the edge of Lakeville Cemetery, Leslie said, there it is, and pointed out the stone that she had seen in her vision. It was exactly as she had described, and very unusual. I can't say that I've ever encountered a stone like it in my graveyard travels. It was comprised of three pieces of granite, which formed a square, with a large opening in the middle. The stone was erected for Ralph and Inez Newman, who were born in 1881 and 1885, respectively. I wonder if perhaps there was supposed to be an additional piece inserted in the middle of the stone, perhaps with a picture or carving? This will have to remain an unsolved mystery, 
but I am glad that we were able to locate the stone Leslie had seen. If you are ever in the Enfield area, stop by these cemeteries and take in the gorgeous scenery, and maybe take a spin at the haunted Great View Roller Rink.
in the actual house mm-hmm. uh, that the Conjuring was, you know, based on and having a lot of trouble with people intruding on them. Of course so, they would. Uh, you know, yeah. they're asking people and making a public plea, plea to please respect their privacy and stay away from their property. Just thought I'd pass that on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hear the music. Yeah, that's right. And next week, next week we will have, uh, well, let's just say 11-11. A what? 11-11. 11-11. Okay. Remember that. Remember that. 11-11. Everybody remember 11/11. that for the week, okay? Okay. So that'll be next week. So we want to thank everyone for listening, and remember, if you missed the show or any passion, you can always listen to it on iTunes. So, till next week, good night and God bless all. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us, good Lord.